0: to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit Seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's Seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door, visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code Cal for 20% off your first order.
1: From Meteor's World News Headquarters in Bozeman,
0: Montana, this is Cal's Weekend Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. Hey, welcome to a very special episode of Cal's Week in Review. I had a chance to sit down this week with Arkansas Representative Bruce Westerman to talk about an interesting new bill that would be a game changer for habitat conservation. If the name Westerman sounds familiar, there's a reason. Representative Westerman is the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee for the U.S. House of Representatives. If you care about national hunting and fishing policy, this is a group of lawmakers you should be familiar with. The Natural Resources Committee handles many of the bills that deal with outdoor recreation, habitat conservation, and many of the other things that affect the critters we love to hunt and the places they live. As the chairman of the committee, Representative Westerman controls when they meet, how often they meet, and the bills they consider. One of his priorities this year is a new bill dubbed America's Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act. I'll let Representative Westerman explain the details, but here's the bottom line. This bill would authorize $300 million every year to state governments to allow them to better enact their wildlife action plans. These plans are targeted at species under threat of being listed as endangered, but the habitat work that would be accomplished would benefit all wildlife. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Representative Bruce Westerman. All right. Well, Cal's Week in Review. Uh, We are joined today by Bruce Westerman, who represents Arkansas's 4th Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives, where he serves on the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure and as chairman of the Committee on Natural Resources. Because we value your time, we're just gonna get right into it. And we like to help break down where we can, how government works for our listening audience here. So we'd like to just easy in with, everybody's probably heard the phrase, and now the bill's in committee. (laughs) What the heck does that mean?
1: Well, it means the bill's been filed and it's first step that it's got to get through is to get through committee. And uh, I've just filed a bill called the American Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act uh, that will be assigned to the Natural Resources Committee. So as chairman of that committee, I can um, almost guarantee you It's going to get a hearing on the bill and we'll probably mark it up and, and pass it. But that's just the first step in making a bill a law. You know, if you watch schoolhouse rock, when you're a kid, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. Well, Bill has to go through committee, then he needs to go through the house needs to go through the Senate, and then you may even have a conference where you work out the differences between the house and the Senate, and eventually it gets on the president's desk. Now, that's the simple way that it happens. Bills can also. Uh, latch on and ride on other bills um, like the farm bill or some kind of a, an appropriations bill. There's a lot of ways to get things signed into law, but uh, the the purest um, according to the the rules of the House and the Senate way to do it is to run it through committee, have regular order on it, debate it on the floor, pass it out of both chambers, and then conference together and get it on the president's desk
0: and and what is like the most common thing that happens when a, when a bill's in committee? Are you actively debating the merits of the bill or what happens there?
1: Now, the first thing we'll do, Ryan, is we'll have a hearing, which means we'll bring subject experts in uh, related to the content of the bill. And these may be people from the administration. It may be people from the private sector, it may be somebody from academia. Uh, the, the committee has the Uh, authority to call in and invite whoever they want to to testify on the bill so we will have a hearing and we'll talk about the merits of the bill see if there's any problems with the bill let members ask questions Um, and then we take all of that into account and the next step is we would have a markup on the bill which means we would actually uh, have the bill in committee we would offer amendments for it debate those amendments vote on amendments we would end up with the final uh, amended bill in committee and then we would vote to pass that bill out of committee at which time it goes on the house calendar and it's uh, ready to go out on the floor
0: okay so you are the chair of the house natural resources committee so being as it's natural resources i would assume you have like a hunting and angling background
1: yeah i'm uh, i've got a lot of, of background in hunting and angling when i was growing up that's what uh That's what we did for fun and it's what i still do for fun today so growing up in arkansas the natural state i had ample opportunity to to hunt a little bit of everything Uh, you know mainly uh, as a kid i would hunt squirrels and rabbits and quail and turkey and deer uh, a little bit of duck hunting of course arkansas has got some great duck hunting not necessarily where i live but in the southeast part of the state and the district that i represent has probably the best duck hunting in the maybe in the world Uh, so we've uh, I've got that going and then we've got all kinds of lakes and streams and reservoirs but um, you know I grew up fishing in farm ponds just any place I could get a hook in the water Um, that's that's what I did when I was a kid
0: and then uh, went on to well I guess because hound hunting is always a hot topic and uh, since you've already uh, opened up your hand and said that you know Clay Newcomb, if you had to introduce somebody to hound hunting for the first time, what what would be your sales pitch?
1: I would probably just take them squirrel hunting with a good squirrel dog. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. Um, it's relaxing. There's a lot of movement. You can talk. You're waiting for the dogs to the trail and tree, and then you you rush up to the tree and spot the squirrel and uh, shoot the squirrel out and it's a it's a great opportunity to get to uh, spend some time in the woods and fellowship with other people and really have a, a great time uh, also we we hunted deer with hounds when i was growing up and still do a little bit uh, today i mean, some people may say there's not any sport in that and i challenge them to try to shoot a deer running across a clear cut with a pack of hounds behind it it's uh you got to be a pretty good shot to make that happen but also Coon hunting is something I enjoyed doing growing up, and still every once in a while, I'll get a chance to do that. I've got a friend that's got some coon hounds. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we would even trap as well. The hides had uh, a lot more value than they're worth uh, today, but also it helps out in predator control to uh, you know help with your other wildlife, especially turkeys and things that uh, coons and possums and, and other animals, coyotes that you trap will be pretty rough on your your rabbit and turkey uh, populations if you don't keep them under control.
0: That's fantastic and then uh, went to uh, forestry school.
1: Yeah well I started off uh, I studied engineering in undergraduate school at the University of Arkansas and then uh, after I've been out of school for a while I went to Yale University and got a graduate degree in forestry so I'm kind of an oddball to be serving in Congress. I'm a I'm the only licensed professional engineer and I'm the only forester uh, in the house, uh, the only licensed forester in Congress. I think Senator Risch studied forestry in undergraduate. But uh, uh, because of that, I get a lot of uh, policy coming my way that deals with forestry and wildlife habitat. And the committee, uh, if you look at the subcommittees of the Full Health Natural Resources Committee, we've got a subcommittee on uh, water, wildlife, and fisheries which uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife falls under that. We've got a subcommittee on federal land. So all the Forest Service, BLM, National Park Service, all the federal land agencies fall under uh, the jurisdiction of our committee. And when you talk about wildlife and habitat, it, it all comes back to how you manage that habitat and take care of it. So I've got a real passion for us to utilize the habitat that we've got and the vast land that we've the, the public lands we've got in America could provide so much more wildlife habitat than what they're doing if we would just uh, put the effort forward to manage those lands.
0: So is that background where America's Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act comes from? What was the, the impetus for getting this started?
1: And, well, we're not getting the job done on the federal lands with our federal land management agencies for a, a myriad of reasons. Um, For one thing, they just simply can't manage the land like they need to. But if you look at most states across the country, they have a state wildlife action plan and they do a great job of implementing these action plans, but they're basically only doing it on state land and on some private land. So what the American wildlife habitat conservation act does is it will empower state agencies here in arkansas it'd be the arkansas game and fish commission and the arkansas forestry commission to go in and actually do management work on the federal lands um you know we've got uh, about three million acres of federal land in arkansas and if you just managed a a third of that the way it needs to be managed for wildlife uh, we would be It would be huge. There would be people coming from all over to hunt turkeys and deer and uh, quail. There's no reason we can't have natural populations of quail again, but we have to get out and manage this land. But, um, you know, the vast amount of land in our state is held by private landowners, so the American Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act would also allow these state agencies to go in and do management on private land. You're going all the way back to Teddy Roosevelt, uh, when all these federal lands were being established, he he recognized how important it was that we manage also on on private land. And you've got a lot of what are called non-industrial private forest owners that may have anywhere from 20 acres to even you know, 500 or a thousand acres, anywhere in between that, that what they really want that land for is for wildlife habitat, but they don't have the resources or, or all the expertise to go in and manage it. So this program would allow the state agencies to partner with landowners to be able to, um, to manage their land as well. And it's got a, a provision in it, say, if the, if the state agency is managing on federal land. And what we see across the country is our federal lands are way overstocked with timber, too many trees per acre. So we need to, to basically thin these forests. And then do controlled burns, and it will it will work magic on wildlife habitat when we do that. So if the state agency does that, then on the Washington National Forest here where I live, then the timber that they thin out, they'll be able to sell that timber and keep the proceeds to go do more management work on on additional land. So it will only take some seed money from the federal government uh, to get these agencies uh, up to speed and get things moving. Uh, and when you look at private land, say, uh, say a landowner had 80 acres and he wanted better wildlife habitat on it, he could call the state agency and say, look, I've got this land. Uh, I don't know how to manage it, but I heard you've got a program where you can come in and manage it. And the state agency would do the same thing. They would look at it and say, you know, the prescription you need is to to thin your timber, to introduce some uh, control burns, maybe put some food plots in and, uh, with the private individual, when they sold the timber, they would just keep the proceeds that would cover the cost to do the work, and then the landowner would get to keep the remaining proceeds. Or if there wasn't enough timber on there to pay for the cost of the land, then the uh, the landowner could pitch in uh, to make up the difference to get the management work done. And the thing about this is once you get this going, uh, you can come back every 10 years or so and harvest more timber and do more management. So it would be perpetual in, in a funding mechanism uh, to create better wildlife habitat. And also the states could just use the money to go out and do management on land that's not necessarily going to produce a uh, uh, any kind of revenue to keep funding the program. Uh, we've got a lot of green tree reservoirs here in Arkansas, and actually there needs to be some Timber thinning done on those, but some of the things where you build structures and levees, that's not necessarily going to generate uh, revenue uh, to go back into the the fund. But what it's really doing is empowering state agencies to manage on federal land and private land uh, to increase wildlife habitat.
0: And I was guessing we were going to get to uh, the subject of burning, both because of your background and uh, the fact that you live in Arkansas. Or the southeast uh, is incredibly effective at, at uh, burning timber ground compared to the west out here. So, it, is that one of the, the issues that you can point to when you, you say, like, the ineffectiveness of federal management?
1: Yeah, and um, you know, burning is, is so good for wildlife habitat, and it's been proven over and over again. Now, the, the forest is going to burn like we're seeing a lot of Western forests that burn, but they're burning catastrophically, uh, destroying everything on the on the landscape, taking out all the trees, all the underbrush. And sometimes these fires are so hot, they actually sterilize the soil uh, where you can't get new uh, forest to grow back. Um, I'll just I'll give you an example here in Arkansas on the Washita Forest. And this was done by the Forest Service. It's just not being done at a large enough scale. but they implemented a program many years ago to create habitat for the red cockaded woodpecker, which is an endangered species. And uh, you know they went back and researched uh, the records of when the earliest European explorers came through this area, and in their journals they wrote, "You could ride through the forest at full gait on a horse." Well, the, the forests are so overgrown now; you'd, you'd have a hard time leading a horse through some of these forests. And they also know that this. Uh, larger trees, widely spaced, where sun can get down to the forest floor and, and cause new growth to come up, that creates great wildlife habitat. So they implemented this program, uh, and now they're trapping red-cockaded woodpeckers off of these sites to move them to other sites to do the same kind of work. And what they found was when they opened it up and did the control burns, that there was a seed bank in the soil that was probably over 100 years old, that sprouted up. They had all kinds of new uh, early uh, successional habitat that came up. uh, Species that all kinds of animals like. So they saw an increase in plant biodiversity. They saw the number of red cockaded woodpeckers increase. They saw an increase in songbirds, uh, more wild turkey, more deer, more rabbits, and more quail, which we're losing our quail population uh, in Arkansas as well as uh, other parts of the country.
0: So, you had a, a, a couple of points in there that I, I think would be great because obviously, we want to talk about the classic question of, of how do we pay for it? But then we also want to hit uh Recovering America's Wildlife Act as well. And I think that mention of the red cockaded woodpecker would be a, a good way to kind of talk about that legislation that is out there and um, what some of the, the differences are or if you see um, your bill as something that could run in parallel or, you know, how, how you see both of these bills working together or apart for that matter? Yeah,
1: uh, America's Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act is a different approach than, than the bill that's been floating around in Congress called Recovering America's Wildlife act or rawa and uh, there's some problems i've got with rawa i like the idea behind rawa to to do what we're doing with uh, america's wildlife habitat conservation act and that is to get more state agencies involved in the management Uh, but but rawa has a huge price tag to it Um, and you know when you say recover america's wildlife I really don't know what that means. I can tell you what, how you recover wildlife is you fix the habitat. Um, Until we fix the habitat, we're not going to be able to uh, recover wildlife. We're not gonna be able to have more um, protections for endangered species. It all comes back to to habitat. And the focus on, on my bill is to really hone down to uh where the rubber meets the road and that's getting out and doing the work on the habitat now rawa has a it's mandatory permanent spending that's not offset which it just can't move through this congress and i think it would have a hard time moving through any congress as a mandatory funding program and it's talking about uh, 1.3 billion dollars a year going to the states um without the real focus on habitat management like uh, like my bill focuses on and rawa doesn't have any other source of funding other than just a stream of money coming from the federal government so both of these bills are aimed at uh, making sure we have the right habitat for wildlife going forward uh, i just think that the bill that uh, we've got in committee right now is one that's going to uh achieve that better it's going to work better with uh, getting the state agencies out on the federal lands and i think getting the state agencies working with the private landowners so uh, there's some good things about rawa and some things i agree with in principle i think it's just the approach in today's world of how it's uh, funded and what the real emphasis is on it Um, you can't just throw money at a problem and fix it. You've got to have a program that will actually get work done on the ground. And that's what we're trying to achieve with the American Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act.
0: Well, thank you for that. The, um, you know, at any time you see habitat in uh, the title of a bill, I, I certainly get excited and think folks are are thinking in the right direction.
1: But another thing about um, the American Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act is it would be a five-year authorization. So it's kind of like the farm bill that we've got now that works pretty well where Congress would have to come back in five years and we could look at what's working and what's not working. If things needed to be tweaked, uh, you would do that every five years when you updated the program.
0: Yeah, especially when you talk uh, habitat or forests they're constantly changing if you spend enough time out there you always uh, recognize that so uh, having some mobility to move and shake i think could could certainly be a benefit which of you listening right now took a class in school about family finances 101 no one yeah me neither just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning We have to know these things, but how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash slash cal policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions for all you elk hunters out there chasing turkeys is basically the same thing i know the reaction you just gave me but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on x the hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground but i use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that i see birds on as well on X hunt has a special offer for you use code CAL to receive 20 off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring we've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go but here's one product that stood the test of time seafoam motor treatment Lots of hunters and anglers know that sea foam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on Seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Now, you said the word uh, authorization, and I think um, that is... Something we should point out in the uh, Recovering America's Wildlife Act, uh, you see the word appropriation a lot on the on the uh, how how to fund this goes. Would you mind just giving our listeners the difference between authorize and
1: appropriate? Yeah, and that's a, a distinction that we need to understand on all kinds of of federal legislation, but the natural resource committee is an authorizing committee, which means we um, authorize a program to exist. We also have an appropriations committee that appropriates funding for programs. So the bill that I've got, we would authorize it in the resources committee. We would tell what the offsets were for the appropriation, and then the appropriations committee would actually pass the funding for the bill. The RAWA bill would be appropriating with the authorization, and that's what you call mandatory spending. And those are the programs that have gotten out of control and that are running the debt up in our country. Um, it's it's easy to, to do that in a sense, but uh, you pay for it on the back end because you're not being responsible with taxpayer dollars. And you're just saying, we're gonna borrow more money to do this program, and you know, it's a good program, but um, how are we really going to pay for it when we've got such a, you know, 30 some odd trillion dollar debt already? So, uh, you know, mandatory spending makes up uh, almost three fourths of all the spending in the federal government. At least 70% of all spending is mandatory spending. And the money that gets appropriated, which is the military and what's called non-defense discretionary spending, that gets appropriated every year. Uh, so, the approach we're taking with this bill is one that we would authorize the program and authorize the spending levels, and then we would work with the Appropriations Committee to actually send the funding out to the states. So,
0: if uh, I thought that was a great explanation, thank you. Um, now, if uh, on the RAWA, Recovering America's Wildlife Act front, that uh, appropriations, is the big hurdle for that bill what do you see as the big hurdle for uh, your uh, habitat bill
1: Well, it will still be appropriations but we're talking about 320 million dollars a year plus we know where we can offset that 320 million dollars a year where rawa would be 1.3 billion dollars a year from until congress changed that you wouldn't even have to go back and uh, do any kind of appropriations after the bill were passed because it would be a bill from Congress saying, we're mandating that this program be funded. And it doesn't say where the money's coming from, it's just saying to the administration to fund this program. And uh, with my bill, with an appropriation, you get to look at it every year and see if it's being effective or not. You can increase or decrease the appropriation accordingly. Uh, But with ROBO, it would be a one-time deal where the bill was passed and until Congress came back and said, we're not going to fund this anymore, it would be permanently funded uh, for as long as the United States government uh, stays intact. So um, you got to do a lot more work and really stay on top of these programs when you're actually going through the appropriations process and when you just say, okay, states, we're going to send you $1.3 billion a year into perpetuity and it's not going to be offset and it's going to be there every year so uh, you know i think it's more fiscally responsible to have a program that gets reviewed every five years and the appropriation has to go through the appropriations committee every year
0: and and uh where you're at right now what what do you think the the pushback
1: is going to be on uh the habitat bill I really don't think there should be a pushback because we've identified offsets for the appropriation. Um, I think if there's a pushback, I think it'll just be politics with us being an election year, uh, but I'm still planning to, to have a hearing on the bill, pass the bill out of committee, and hopefully be able to move it uh, through Congress and we can start getting this work done on the ground to actually help uh, the, the habitat uh, which is, as we already talked about, is the key in getting more wildlife. is um, you know, It's like the the baseball movie. If you build it, they will come. If you create habitat, wildlife will come to that habitat.
0: That's right. Field the dreams. Uh, you know, it's yeah. very appropriate for um, upland bird hunters, whitetail hunters, everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see it right now. Where are you at on
1: uh, co-sponsors? I think we've got about 20 co-sponsors right now in the House, and we just filed the bill last week. I think we'll probably pick up more co-sponsors as we, as we move through the process. I've talked to a lot of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle about co-sponsoring it, and uh, uh, they've been reluctant to do that so far. I think is because they're pushing for RAWA, and they see this as a threat to RAWA. Which really, um, if if they can get RAWA passed with the funding at some point down the road. The two could probably work in conjunction, but um, you know the, the goal is the, is the same overall, and that's to uh, increase the amount of wildlife uh, in America. But to do that, it's going to have to be focused on habitat. And we're, we're also another component of the American Wildlife Habitat Conservation Act is we would partner with tribes. There's a lot of tribal land and tribes do a pretty good job of managing their land. I was out in New Mexico with the Mescalero Apache, and they've got some of the most beautiful um, ponderosa pine uh, habitat out there I've seen anywhere. And they've also got monster elk that are on that reservation. And these tribes know how to manage the land. uh, And oftentimes their land gets destroyed because the BLM or the, Forest Service is not managing their land and it, it catches on fire and gets over on the, the tribal land. So we want to give tribes that same authority to manage on the Forest Service and on the BLM as we're giving state agencies the authority to do. And,
0: and would the, the state or the, the tribal authority, would they be putting in for uh, bids for that management or...
1: Yeah, I think that's how it would work. So you would actually see a growth in the private sector. Um, You, you're going to need people on the ground doing the work. And if you've got the state agency coordinating that, they're going to have contacts with, uh, with loggers, with other people who uh, do control burns and those sort of things. And they'll have a, a pool of those resources, even consulting foresters and consulting wildlife biologists that they would. Uh, probably employ to go out and do a lot of this work on the ground. So I think you would see a growth in the private sector as well because of the people that you would need to actually go out and do the work. And same thing with the tribes. And, you know, some tribes have their own crews that do the work, but we're talking about enough work here that it's going to take more people and more equipment to actually get it done.
0: When you talk about uh, some of the, you know, the, the, federal inability to manage. What uh, what does that stem from? I, this is obviously a in-your-experience type of question.
1: Yeah, a lot of it goes back to well-meaning laws that we put in place, like there's one called NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, and uh, it provides a tool for groups to come in and sue the federal government uh, to stop management and they've done this so much on forest management out west that it's almost impossible to, uh, uh, to do this work because it gets tied up in court and there's even laws in Congress called the uh, Equal Access to Justice Act that will actually uh, pay the legal fees of groups that sue the federal government to stop these projects so we get mired down uh, and these laws get weaponized even the Endangered Species Act gets weaponized And at the end of the day, it's bad for the uh, endangered species because um, the habitat's not improving. And, um, you know, I think some of this stuff, I know the laws were well-meaning when they were passed, but I think there are groups that have figured out how to make money off of um, saying they're doing something that they're they're really doing just the opposite. They say they're protecting the environment, say they're protecting the wildlands. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is more harm than good. So the the state agencies would have, uh, be able to use existing what are called categorical exclusions on the federal lands that are already there in place uh, to do the management for wildlife habitat. And uh, they would be able to work with their federal partners to do that uh, that actual work on the ground and hopefully insulate them from a lot of the uh, Uh, the lawsuits and everything that stops the federal agencies from getting work done.
0: You bring up a good point there. The um, preservation versus conservation uh, conversation uh, often it's it's an odd thing when, when people or groups request a level of preservation that, that actually doesn't really exist in nature. Right. So like you you go back through that seed bank, you can see, how often those seeds were generated and especially if they're generated by fire that preservation mindset can be just as damaging to wildlife um as uh some of the things that
1: i think some of these groups are trying to prevent so you're you're spot on ryan and i i've got a thing i say preservation is for pickles and conservation is for critters and what i mean by that is uh nature is is a live dynamic changing organism, whether you're looking at the landscape scale or a, a stand of forest, it's not going to stay the same. And the only way you can preserve that, which means to keep it in its current state, if, if, if when you talk about nature, you pick a cucumber and boil it in vinegar and you preserve that cucumber as a pickle, but you can't do that uh, and have the wildlife habitat uh, like we want uh conservation is where you you use what you've got and you leave it in better shape for the future generations um that's what forestry management is is it's always focused on the future and leaving the forest in a better shape uh, than when we found it and when we have healthy forest we get better air quality we we get better water quality which is also wonderful for fisheries Uh, we get better wildlife habitat we get better places to recreate Uh, it's a winning situation when we take care and we're good stewards of the land that we have and this idea that we can go out and lock it up put a fence around it and just look at it it doesn't work that way the trees are going to continue to grow they're going to start competing for sunlight they're going to compete for moisture and nutrients and they're going to get weak and insects and disease will attack them and it just makes a uh, Tinder box for when the fire comes through. And we've seen that over and over and over on our forest, especially in the West. There's a much better way to do it uh, that would be good for all those things that I mentioned. And as uh, hunters and fishermen and conservationists uh, and as environmentalists, we would have a much better situation if we would just take care of these federal lands and our private lands in a way that they should be taken care of. I don't think we realize how much more wildlife and game we could have in this country if we were to be, if we were managing the lands that we have appropriately.
0: If the folks listening would like to get involved, uh, is there a way for us to do so now? Or are we going to wait until uh, this bill hits committee and and maybe folks can write committee members in support of or comment on?
1: No, it's it's never too early to start advocating for good legislation. So uh, wherever you are across the country, if you appreciate uh, good wildlife habitat, I would encourage you to reach out to your uh, members of Congress, to your senators, and encourage them to get behind this bill. and. Whether they're Democrat or Republican, we need everybody on board uh, to get this passed. So, um, you know, call your congressman, send them a, an email, or reach out to them on social media. Uh, all of that stuff matters, and uh, there's no better time to get started than right now.
0: Speaking as a representative that's probably received an email or a phone call or two, What uh, what's the most effective way to reach out to? Uh, our elected officials?
1: Well, you can um, you know, get on a browser and just uh, you can pop in where your, your state is and ask who your congressman is. And, uh, you know, it's easy to find who your representative is. We all have websites. We all have social media and we all have phones that go to our office and all of that information is readily available on the Internet. So uh, there's no excuse for for not reaching out if there's something that you're passionate about, and it does make a difference. Well, that's you fantastic. Can, if if uh, you're my constituents, you can reach me at uh, westerman.house.gov. Uh, that's our our website. And we also have a Natural Resources Committee website, and uh, I've, I've got all the social media platforms out there as well.
0: Excellent. Well, you heard it here, folks. Thank you so much, uh, Representative Westerman. Um, the bill that we were talking about today is America's wildlife habitat conservation act. Yeah. And you heard it here. If you want to get involved, write, Email, stand up, wave your hand and get in touch with your elected officials. Let them know that the great out of doors is important to you. That's where you like to spend your time and your money and bring the family. So again, thank you very much. And we'll be, uh, Uh, keeping everybody posted on the progress
1: well appreciate it ryan and uh, appreciate what you guys do uh very popular uh platform that you've got out there and uh i'll hear hear strangers talking about uh, meat eaters all the time so uh, y'all are doing doing the lord's work and appreciate your dedication to conservation and to the things that a lot of us really enjoy
0: Oh, thank you so much. I got an uh, old outfitter that I worked for whose wife is a, just a fanatical Razorback. So I'm already getting brownie points from her for ha- having you on.
1: <laughs> Go hog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Very important for you to know here that Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which has been in the works for a really long time uh, that we mentioned here during this segment many times, That is still active, it's still growing sponsors, and if you want the opinion piece side of this, it goes back to appropriation versus authorization. Now, for me, as the wildlife, habitat, access-loving dude that I am, I would rather have appropriation. That means the dollars are put in the fund and they are meant to be spent on wildlife and habitat. As Representative Westerman points out, that may not be able to get done. It's not super palliative for a lot of fiscally conservative folks because it's money that is in a fund, ready to go. It has to be spent, and uh, that can raise some red flags with some folks, whereas the authorization mode of transport for Representative Westerman's bill is, uh, you know, it's got some good and bad things. You're going to be able to control where the money comes from but uh, you may have to fight for that money each and every year. Got it? Yeah, make up your own mind. That's why I'm here. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to write in to ASKCAL, that's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. If you're liking these interviews, let us know who you want to interview next. We'll get on it. Thanks again, we'll talk to you next week. at Seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks, Sent right to your door, visit MauiNuiVenison.com, that's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, Venison.com, and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.